you can kind of tell with technology and healthcare whether it was actually built by somebody from healthcare, whether it was actually built to solve a real problem rather than just being some kind of technology for technology's sake. There are some really good examples of software solutions and services that were originally just built to be used internally within one clinic or a healthcare business, but then they solved that problem so well, and then other clinics took notice, and they wanted that problem solved as well. So then it makes sense to make that software or technology available for even more clinics. Well, with me today on the show, I'm joined by Ian Lowe, CEO of CMH Practice Management, and in this episode, we talk about their business and how it grew from a single clinic to a group of practices and a suite of technology solutions that are helping clinics around the country be more efficient and deliver better patient care. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Ian Lowe, CEO of CMH Practice Management, the makers of Clinimetrics a business intelligence platform and analytics tool for medical practices in Australia to help them see revenue opportunities, understand GP billing behaviour, the value of MBS and non-MBS items, trends over time, year-on-year comparisons, and so much more. I was lucky enough to be able to record this interview with Ian from within the offices of CMH Practice Management. So here it is. Hey, Ian, how are you? Okay, getting over COVID, so these dulcet tones are... Not quite got as the a husky voice. Yeah, yeah, I've got the one nine hundred voice. Yeah, <laughs> so it's good stuff. Well, thank you for for inviting me into the office as well. It's good to be sitting across the table and have the the conversation in person for the podcast. So, for those that need to know a bit more about you, Ian, and your background, tell us about you and and what you've been up to. I've been around a while. Uh, <laughs> you can tell by the grey. Uh, so, my background is actually electrical engineering. Very very long time ago, I ended up working for a couple of big corporates and then. Ended up in sales and marketing at Sony, broadcast corporate products, you know, teleconferencing, production equipment, all that kind of stuff. Cool. And then through various reasons, ended up taking over what's called consumer AV. So that's, you know, like two and a half thousand SKUs, $300 million of <laughs> revenue and 3,000 dealers and more and more hair loss. <laughs> Left there, ended up in sports marketing. That didn't work out. Ended up in hospitality. Okay. After that, working at what is now West HQ, or in those days was Rudy Hill RSL. Oh, yeah. So if you go back and look up Rudy Hill RSL wants its own postcode. That is was... that not a thing anymore? I thought that was No, still a they thing. let it go. Well, they may have brought it back, but I'm yeah. pretty sure they let it go. I know they let it go oh, when I'm I was on. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah so okay. I launched that was me. Really? Being silly and creative, yeah, <laughs> back in 2010. I still joke about that. I'm oh, funny. it was huge. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, the, the best thing I, I got out of it was that uh, we got a magazine or a newspaper in the UK actually published, yeah. republished an article out of the Telegraph going, who are these lunatics in Rudy Hill who want their own postcode? Yeah, you know? how funny. I had cool. calls from Perth. It was it was massive, <laughs> absolutely massive. What do you mean you want your own postcode, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. And radio, TV. Nice. We got the I got the CEO an interview on Channel Nine News at ten minutes past six that day, and then a month later we did a five minute with a current affair. Yeah, it was just. Insane. Didn't get the postcode though. Didn't get the postcode. Got no. the attention. That's still good. growing. That place is huge, man. Just <laughs> it's an it, enormous it, it place. Anyway, so yeah, left there, and then um, in just a twist of, of luck, I ended up seeing a job working for Castle Medical Centre as the as the GM, and it was like you know three k's from home, hmm? and I went, oh, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> three k's <laughs> from home. 
I'm loving that idea. I'm upset. I didn't know anything about healthcare, but the board weren't really worried about that. They wanted someone to kind of re-engineer the business and create revenue drivers. So yeah, I came in 2015. So I've been here for seven and a half years now. And, you know, in that time we've done quite a lot. Um, We moved, you know, from a rather old building to a brand new shiny fit. Mm -hmm. That was a massive change for everybody. And then we've opened two new practices in the last 12 months, both, you know, large footprint. We've re-engineered the business to have this entity, which is CMH Practice Management. So that's our management services, business, software development, Mm -hmm. property services kind of uh, platform. And we've grown from like 70 odd people, 80 odd people to 140 in the, you know, the last five years. So it's been pretty crazy actually. So, so much more than just the medical practice who went to a group of practices, but then you've got the services and software behind it as well too. So you kind of vertical integration of, of all the bits and pieces. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I mean, everything we build, we build for ourselves, mm. you know, so the, we, I launched analytics in the business in 2016 because I'd come from heavy analytics being in the hospitality space. Mm. And it was, you know, it's all about understanding the nature of revenue generation. Yep. So I brought analytics in then, and then that became a, okay, well, how do we use this in the business? And it had, you know, multiple facets to it. The first was so many people come to you and go, the sky is falling, the world is ending, this is terrible. Mm. And without real data, how do you know? Yeah. So, you know, the analytics was my, then became my first, um, no, it isn't. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like you get something to point to. And yeah, say, okay. actually the data says this. You yes, know? yes. So it allowed us to start, you know, doing some clever things in the business and we might, you know, get there later, hopefully. But that was the first, hey, here's a platform to muck around with. And we didn't really do anything with it. We just used it for ourselves. Mm. And then um, I was at a conference, APM, in 2019 and was looking around and going, well, analytics, people want analytics. Well, mm. maybe we should sell this. So foolishly, we went to market in March of 2020. Um, <laughs> Timing. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So we've pretty much been sitting on our hands for, <laughs> for a couple of years with the analytics platform, but yeah. it's, it's massive because over the time we built it from not just my perspective, which is, hey, what are the numbers showing me? But we've had huge involvement from nursing and our doctors can now use it as a clinical tool. Like our nursing team, we have a dedicated preventative health team in the mm. group. And all their, their only job is to extract data and look at people who are at risk or look at mm. people who are due. So that became just such a huge platform internally. And to the point where now, if anyone wants to know anything about the business, they just go straight to the clinometrics. Yeah. My favorite one is we've, we're running a research program for American Drug Company at the moment. And the requirement is find me all the patients who have a systolic over 150 who are on no meds, over 140 on one med, over 130 on two meds. And it takes about eight to 10 minutes to extract that data set Mm. in doing it manually, but we build a macro for it. So it takes about 10 seconds. And you can just say, okay, well, here's 200 patients who fit either of those criteria. Can we enroll them? And then the guys who run the PI, the principal investigator who's running it, he says, okay, well, we have to remove all the patients who've got, you know, cardiovascular conditions. So, okay, we'll just do that Back then. The data, yeah. So, you know, that kind of clinical extract's got nothing to do with the, the revenues. It's about what the data is mm. telling us about healthcare. Yeah. You know, what's actually happening for the patient and how do we then apply this opportunity to do microdosing of, of blood pressure meds. You know? So it was originally built for the business analytics side for you with your, your general manager hat on looking at running the, the business side of the clinics, which is really important and you need that visibility 
But yeah, a lot of application with all of the data that gets generated through the practices too, from a, from a clinical point of view, that that's really important. And I really like generally it's, you know, those, those tools that have been created initially just to be used within a clinical setting and have been effective. When, when you think about software being implemented, particularly in outpatient clinics across Australia, the first question always, if you're trying to go out and, and shill your thing is, um, well, show me another clinic that's using it. But being able to be your own reference site, it has its pros and cons, I guess. There's um, there's there's a lot of benefit there, though. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we honestly, we wouldn't be where we are with the analytics unless it had been for one of our head nurses. Yeah. Because I went down the, as you said, show me the numbers, mm. right? I want to understand what the numbers mean and why. Mm. And one the head nurse for preventative health came to me and said, can this do extractions for people who are due for health assessments and mm. chronic disease management things? And I went, yeah, sure. Like, what do, you want, what do you want? Yeah. You know, it's just data. I'll, I'll give you what you need. Mm. And so then we actually started building a kind of model around that, which was a little limited, obviously, because it had been designed in a specific way. And so we just mm. added more, you know, extracts. And suddenly it blew up. Mm. You know, all of a, all of a sudden, the the number of health assessments and chronic disease services we're offering doubled. Mm. It was a crazy kind of oh, hang on, yeah. Here, here's what we're missing kind of moment. And then once we started presenting it to doctors, doctors are going, well, if we're missing that, can you tell what me this? Yeah. The luxury we have, I guess, being the, the scale of the business we are, and also having a good shareholder board set, is that they're engaged. Mm. You know, so when we present this data, they go, well, okay, can it do that then? And sometimes the answer has been no, but if the answer is no, it's, well, okay, we'll just build it. We'll work a way to do it. All right. I mean, even with clients, it's been the same thing. We've had clients come to us and go, well, hang on, you're doing it this way. Why aren't you doing it that way? And we've looked at that and said, well, that's just how we've done it. So that's how we built it. Hmm. And clients have looked at it and said, well, no, that's just not working for us. And we go, actually, you know what? You're right. Hmm. Let's make, let's make that change. Mm. You know, we we have the luxury because we've got coders here yeah. of being highly adaptive to whatever is is required. So yeah. it's been. I, I mean, I love it. It's my favourite tool in the business. I I look at it every day. I was just having a meeting beforehand with one of my centre managers, mm. and the first thing she said to me once I opened the meeting up was, "Have you seen the numbers?" Yeah. And using your tool to, to look at the numbers for for the business that you're also yeah. running. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so that's Clinimetrics, right? That's yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah. So I've seen as well, how does Clinimetrics then tie into, because you've got other platforms or solutions or ways that you kind of package it up as well. Talk to me more about that side. I mean, when, when we launched Clinimetrics as a product, the next thing we thought was, well, if people want to know, understand how to use it and need mm. help doing it. So we kind of went into, can we offer managed services to people? Because if we're effectively doing that for ourselves, three sites, hmm. head office, managed services. Yep. It's a platform we've never really done anything with, mm -hmm. but it's kind of there if people are interested in talking to us about how to get the best out of their business. Because we've got massive IT infrastructure. We've got a big finance team. I was talking to a client the other day about they're shifting from bulk billing to mixed billing and they don't have an accounts receivable solution. Really important. Yeah. So because the first thing that happens when you go from bulk to mixed or private is people walk out without paying. Yeah. And need to collect the money. How are you going to get the money, yeah. right? So Clinometrics does the analytics for you. It's got a constant thing there. But then you've got to have the people. So, oh, um, uh, hmm. I've got to find that person. I've got to, you know, how am I going to pay them and all those other kind of joyful things. So that kind of managed services thing makes a bit of sense for us. But the next line from that was in terms of the integration becomes into the telehealth mix from, from a software standpoint. So. We've actually been offering telehealth as a product since 2017. But again, it's just our own product, right? We used to call it AHGP. 
Like as a, as a software product? A software solution, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was built for a very specific purpose, mm. not the current yeah. telehealth model. It was built for corporate, so, so subscription model. Yeah, there wouldn't yeah, be- there was, no, yeah. there was no value in it there, yeah. right? You wouldn't get paying for it. Mm. So we built it for corporate services, to for on-demand mm. injury management, right? Someone falls over, gets injured. Yeah, I can have a doctor talking to you in you know two minutes doing yeah. a video call. So that was the idea. And then government changed policy with respect to after hours. So we went, all right, We'll expand it to make it after hours. We built an after hours module for that so people could request an after hours appointment using video telehealth. And then, of course, you know, COVID and everything going pear-shaped. And we tried to modify that product to be compliant with the current services and just couldn't Mm. do it. Mm. And so we then had to say, well, are we going to scrap this? Do we continue to plug away with redeveloping it or do we start again with a better idea? Yeah. And we went down option three, but the idea being more integration with the data ultimately. So CMX Connect, so internally we call Clinometrics CMX just as a, you know, because everything's got to be an acronym. (laughs) So Clinometrics is CMX internally. And so CMX Connect became our telehealth solution. Got it. Yep. And that's launching next month with a bit of luck, fingers mm. crossed. And we just did a massive demo to all our staff last week. It's pretty impressive. And the what it is is right now, telehealth on its own, video telehealth is like, okay, well, it's there. There's lots of options. Mm. But in this case, we've taken the view that it needs to be multi-platform. So it's web to web, app to web, app to app, web to app. And if you've got a Fanville 3CX phone, it'll also install on that as well, right? <laughs> Strangely, we have... Fanville 3CX phones all throughout our business. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, you can just touch the screen and dial someone using CMS Connect because they've all got cameras integrated into them as well, Uh right? So Uh you don't have to use a desktop. You don't have to use your personal phone. You can use the landline, Uh all that kind of stuff. So it does all those kind of things. But no, of course, now it works within the kind of practice management model. So it extracts data from the appointment book. Is it a telehealth appointment? Yes, it is. Okay. Does this person have a CMX Connect installed? Yes, no. If no, send them a notification. Mm. Go to the website. If yes, just dial it. So you don't end up with this, I'm sitting on a web page waiting thing, which I hate. Mm. Um, mm. You know, for the doctor to log in. You know, oh, the doctor's running seven minutes late, mm. maybe, if you're lucky, at three o'clock, and I'm sitting there for seven minutes on a web page waiting, waiting, yeah, waiting, yeah. which is just annoying from a customer service standpoint, right? Mm. Mm. So our philosophy is install the app. And then it just rings you. You get a notification on your phone. Someone's ringing, like a normal phone call. Oh, it's a CMX Connect call. That's my doctor. Mm. Where you go. So that's kind of the play. But not only are we doing that, we're also continuing down the path of after hours and on demand. Yes. So now it's all integrated in one big box. It yeah. does everything. Yeah. And the, the, the neat thing that we've designed in after hours is there's a cooperative element to it. So you can join up with any other group of practices or any individual practice mm. in the country Mm. And say, so, yeah, okay, I'm going to offer after hours using CMX Connect. And so you can have 10, 15, 20, 30 practices, whatever, all offering that service after hours. So Perth, Sydney, Adelaide, whatever, mm. so that everybody gets their PIP funding mm-hmm. because everyone's contributing to the service. Yeah, okay. So it's a kind of a, it's a completely different view of offering collective cooperative after hours services yeah. across the country. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. 
whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members. It's literally the heart of everything we do. So consider joining as a THT Plus member. You can join anytime online. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT Plus. And if I'm thinking as a practice owner or I'm running my clinics, I'm pretty spoilt for choice now, or could say overwhelmed with choice Ooh. now in terms of options to provide telehealth services. You've got everywhere from the spectrum of just picking up the phone and, and making a call. Then there's your suite of options, whether it's through a practice management system, some practice management systems already have it built in. You can do telehealth or like the patient engagement platforms have it. And then there's dedicated platforms where like, you talked about sometimes dealing with corporates and the after hours. Is there like types of services that, that the clinics that would really lean into CMX Connect and, and get some value from or the type of clinics that you think this will really benefit? I think the corporate services side of it's a little niche Yeah. right? So we have a very big corporate services. Um, we actually have a dedicated team, looks after our corporate clients. We do a lot of workplace health, safety, mm-hmm. free employment work. So if you're not really into that space, yep. that's not going to work for you maybe something that you can consider throwing up as something to offer in your community. But if you're not there, it's a bit of a slog to get into. Mm. So mm. probably not a huge carrot. You know, the after hours integration, I think is hugely beneficial. Yeah. So, you know, we're the only product that I know of that can do what we're suggesting right now. So that's a kind of a bit of a standalone idea. And it's something that we've been doing for four years, yeah. right, with our old software. So now this integrates it into a, an entire package. But the other part of it, I think, is what's coming next. So, you know, the big difference right now between CMX Connects and, and the other telehealth software platforms for video is that it's got a different name on it. I mean, fundamentally, mm-hmm. you can look at any of the integrated booking platforms or whatever, and there's a solution there if you want to use it. Yeah. We still know that 95% of people use the phone. Yeah. Even though there's only two item codes left, <laughs> that's still the solution. Yeah. Right. We've never been happy just doing phone calls. You know, we always felt that video is a much better clinical outcome for the patient and a much better solution for the doctor because they actually can communicate face-to-face, see emotion too, right, which is also an important part Mm. of the engagement, right? So we really want to lean into video. So our solution is about as making it as easy as possible to use. So CMS Connect is your appointment's there, press call, in the app, on the web page, on the phone, whatever you, however you want to do it, it doesn't matter, just press call. Mm-hmm. and the system will take care of the rest for you. So that's kind of the big benefit from the GP standpoint, right? It keeps it very simple. Yes. The next phase of it is we've already kind of planned out the next two updates. So mm. the first one is going to be integrating clinometrics data. So for those patients that want it, we can roll up the clinometrics data for them from the practice management software 
into CMX Connect. So a patient can then actively view their conditions, their blood pressure measurements, their HbA1c or the cholesterol levels or whatever mm. inside the app because fundamentally it's all using the same data pool, which is the practice management software, but we won't be do using that. We'll be using our own analytics. So then we can give the patient access to their data instantly mm. in the app. So we see that as a massive benefit for patients because the one thing that we know is that patients 50% of the time, according to my doctors, are the big problem in that they don't behave. So we need them to behave. So how do you make them behave? Well, you've got to give them the right information. Mm. This is the concern. This yeah. is what you need to understand. So we can roll that integration in. And then, of course, the other side of it, which is the complex part, is the billing. So a lot of practices gap bill telehealth and certainly you know we'd recommend gap billing for video yeah. because there's value there and so we'll be integrating a payment gateway that just the patient is signed yeah. up for the doctor clicks bill and it's done hmm. there's no further transactional nonsense to be worried about yeah. you don't have to worry about your accounts receivable or someone on the phone chasing up you know your 10 15 20 40 dollar gap whatever it is it's all managed inside the app so we have this suite of tools that we can apply to CMS connect but we also have this suite of experience that's coming from mm. you know 40 we have 45 practitioners in the group all of which have some input at some point in time to what we're doing you know mm. you never shy of an opinion <laughs> um, when you've got 45 practitioners sure. but you never shy of an opinion in head office either frankly <laughs> um, so you know th there's always input the IT guys are always good for an opinion yes uh, on this stuff opinions all around yeah so you know there's lots of tools that we can roll up into why we want to make this a solution but i'm not foolish enough to believe that any of the tools are the be all and end all yeah you know everyone's got a different view a lot of people look at cmx connect and go there's too much to do there mm. Right? Mm. now from a usability standpoint there isn't it's yeah. actually quite simple yeah. but i think when you consider that it's got normal appointments after hours corp services all this kind of stuff, people are going to look and go, oh, I'm not interested in any of that. Mm. So the after hour stuff, I think, is just a bit of a lay down. Everyone should be signing up for that because it's yeah. uh, income, right? It's something too that probably would make sense if that's, there is power in simplicity in terms of message or the outcome that can be achieved by utilizing the platform. I'm just thinking back to that point that you mentioned before, that it's good that you've being a platform that, that you've got a lot of control over in terms of how it looks and operates and you get that feedback directly from the clinicians because I know from a from a software vendor's point of view, feedback from clinicians, particularly in those early stages of a product is really important and you adapt and you, and you mold based on that. And particularly here in Australia, that can be difficult too because just because one GP says they do it this way doesn't mean that's how every GP in Australia does it. So what I'm getting at is that with the patient involvement, I've found personally that getting a patient involved with technology, it requires a lot of handholding and advocacy from the clinician who's then when they're providing the recommendation and information, they're then saying, you know, log into your app and get this information here. And yes, reception could do it, but the amount of times I've seen a, a doctor just say, oh, you know what, like, let's not use this thing. How do you get that buy-in? And particularly for those that are looking at building solutions, getting the buy-in from the clinicians, getting that advocacy from those that are utilizing the platform when they become those that are that are convincing the patients that this is the thing they should be using. I guess you're right. I mean, we, we're kind of lucky that we have a relatively well-engaged GP cohort working with us. Not everybody, obviously, but you know, certainly if we ask for input, we will get it. Mm. And you know, when we're doing demonstrations, this is how it's going to work. We invite everyone in. You, know, you yeah. might get 30, 40% of the GP cohort turn up and say, yeah, love it, hate it. What about this? What about that? Mm. So that, that kind of allows us to build that 
how's it going to work effectively across the GP platform? So I guess that's kind of our plus is that we are a practice mm. or practices and we get the benefit, as you've said, of using our own guys to turn that into something. But of course, they're all systemized to us as well. So, yes. you know, the getting outside of that's the next phase. But guys come from all over the place and we just opened a, a practice last year and all the GPs there are new. Mm. They've all come from somewhere else. They're not indoctrinated in any of our systems. They're bringing their own headspace from corporates, from privates, from other kind of practices. And so, you know, their engagement, their import becomes a critical part of the where are we moving forward because their lens on it is not tainted by 20 years of working inside our systems. So that's a nicety. The other side of it too that I think is quite nice is that a number of our guys are part of the social media groupings that exist for doctors. So, Mm. You know, there's times when they'll punch out questions. Hmm. What do you think of? What's your feedback on? How would you do this? And we'll take that feedback and then start thinking about how we're going to apply that. So it's never just about us looking at us. It's always about trying to get the best across the industry as we see it. Hmm. Communicating to doctors is extremely difficult, as you know, Hmm. because it's such a broad locational prop, which is only sensible. But the nature of the way that they everyone absorbs information is Mm-hmm. so hugely disparate depending on where you are and age and proclivity to deal with media and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So how do you get in front of someone and say, hey, here's a tool to solve your problems? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the drug company problem. It's the equipment manufacturer's problem and the same with us, right? Mm-hmm. And we're a tiny player in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we, we look after ourselves. So getting out to that market's difficult, but for what it's worth, we've got a handful of clients who are using Clinometrics. They're very engaged with us. Mm. Right, They come back to us all the time with what, if, how, can we, what do we do? So when we're leveraging ideas into our products, it's, well, what do you think? Yeah. And you're not going out to a cold group of people who've not heard of this group before. It's uh, utilizing a platform that they like. and it's Correct. Like- they know us and they trust what we're doing for mm. them. So mm. it's quite handy. In fact, you know, inside Clinometrics in our business, we not only look after the practice management software, we also look at our rostering and payroll and also a call center. And we analyze all that data. And one of our clients is now looking at shifting to to adding a call center and they don't understand the metrics at the moment. So Mm. they're not really kind of across, never having run a call center, what's going on. So they're actually bouncing back and forth with us at the moment about how to, can we install? What do we do? Can we come and visit? Mm. And about playing that out inside the business. And we're just doing that for the love, right? Because we like helping people. (laughs) That's kind of the thing. How do I make a call center work? Okay, well, you do this and mm. you got that. And you know, here's your metrics and your goals and all that kind of stuff, which we're dragging out of our experience and our analytics. Mm. I'm interested as well thinking about because it, it sounds like you've got at least three businesses that are being run and, and, and those three types of businesses to run require different vehicles to drive. You've got the bricks and mortar clinics with doctors, nurses, admin staff, and those operating in the practices and all the connected bits there. Then you've got the virtual practice management stuff, the managed services, which is like the contact center style engagement, which is quite different to providing bricks and mortar healthcare. But then you've also got the software developers, the the technical side. And I see this challenge often too in the hospital space where hospital groups will consider themselves being both a healthcare provider and a technology company, but they're quite different things to do. How do you go about putting those different hats on and understanding what the key metrics are for those and and doing those effectively? I'd love to say a lot of alcohol. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, from time to time. Um, Look, yeah, you're right. It's complicated. You know, it isn't as simple as, oh, I'm just turning up and I've got 10 GPs to yeah. to worry about and, you know, where's the money coming from and paying the staff and so on, right? Mm. Yeah, we've built 
out from that kind of engine into, well, actually, there's a collective of services here and how do we apply them across any need from anyone who wants them? And so for me, the headspace problem is flipping literally from, I'm talking about the revenues at one practice today mm. or this hour right in this meeting with the team and then going into, okay, what's my IT guy talking about when he wants to talk about dev of either the software platforms or the finance team saying, no one's paying their bills and we need to do something right, yeah. to sort that out. And which ended up being an IT solution, by the way. Hmm. Um, yeah, right. Okay. You know, I went to the IT guys and said, let's just build a payment gateway. We'll extract the data out of Clinometrics. So we had to we had to build a report in Clinometrics that extracted the information of who hasn't paid, you know, email, mobile, etc. Yeah. And then we plugged that into an outbound commerce platform like MailChimp or something. Yeah. And then we built a payment gateway behind the website and just sent the link out and said, dear patient, log in here. So our accounts receivable people now are just reconciling rather than having to ring up people going saying, where's the money? But that came from, I've got a problem at desk because lots of people coming in, lots of people walking out without paying. Now I've got a problem in finance because they're getting bombarded with this list of people every day of walkouts or unpaid, particularly with telehealth, obviously, which is Mm. more complicated. But I've got a data set in Clinometrics and I've got an IT guy who can code. So that application became the, all right, well, I'm taking this problem and this problem and moving (laughs) it over to here. It's that, I guess part of it's just, you know, being old and experienced, right? I didn't get this gray for nothing. (laughs) So there's a bit of that. And there's also just the depth that you kind of live in every day. Mm. And it's not that any particular part of it dominates the day. It's that all parts of it dominate the day in some way or another. And it's finding that balance of, you know, where am I going to dedicate that time? I mean, I, in this business, I have the luxury of having center operations managers. So we don't call them practice managers because they're responsible for the finances too, right? Mm, mm. So the P&L is theirs to own for each center. So I'm not really having to worry about the the hands-on stuff there. I've got a team that does Mm. that. I'm the instigator, the developer, the deer behind both Clinometrics and CMX Connect. That's all me going, well, what if we do this? Mm. And then someone coming back saying, well, what if, can we add this? Then, okay, well, then we'll build that. So, you know, then buying in the resources we need to build it out. So again, although it's ideation, it's not execution anymore. Mm -hmm. Was, Mm -hmm. not anymore. So I'm kind of, you know, the, the luxury we have is, as I said, we've nearly got 140 people now, is that you've got to have that resource base underneath you yeah. who are capable of taking on the responsibilities and moving them forward. Even property became one of those things. You know, I was doing the property development as well, right? Mm. So when we were building the sites out at Marston Park, of the site out at Marston Park, and we've got a couple more on the way, someone had to be dealing with the builders, someone had to be dealing sure. with the, the council and the owners and the site managers, all that kind of stuff. And it just became ridiculous mm. about how much work was being done. And I ended up saying, I can't do this anymore, along with the other stuff. So we, we had to bring in a property manager and say, look, just make it go away. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can't do that. Same with HR, right? I mean, you've got 140 people. Human resources suddenly becomes a, a problem. Yeah. And although my, part of my education was, was HR, you just can't do that and all the other stuff. So we brought in a HR manager, you know, who's got those skills, yeah. who often argues with me about, you know, we can't do that. Um, That's important. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that became that other, I can let it go. Yeah. And, you know, pre, pre-recording, we talked about delegation. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's a challenge to, you, to you, do. You've got to do it, right? And for yeah. you, you know, yeah. you, you're getting to a scale where you may need to. Yeah take your hands off some of it, yeah. you know. And one of the challenges of being a manager is delegating mm, mm. and then letting you guys run. 
Yeah. It's something that's particularly in healthcare too. There's a, there's a lot of doers uh, on, in, in, in the outpatient space in general practice. Practice managers usually come up through being administration staff or nurses. GPs end up running the show as their, their single clinic. And so, you know, you've got people, highly paid admin staff, you know, like doctors being admin staff or nurses or even your senior receptionists who should be managing teams end up doing tasks. So I think generally that, that management skill around delegation, it's something that... I've not even nailed as a, as a manager myself for many years. So uh, yeah, it's something that, that can all kind of learn from. I think in the practice space, one of the biggest things I see is, as you've just pointed out, doctors trying to run the business. Yeah. That's not that doctors can't run the business. Mm. Some are very, very good at it. Mm. One of the things that we went through was we had nine shareholders when I joined the business mm. and there was nine directors and okay. yep. nine opinions yep. Yep. for everything. And it took us some time to restructure the business to allow managers to manage the business and doctors to do the clinical management. And it was a hard couple of years to get those shareholders to step back. We're there now. We don't have that problem anymore. We've got a board and the board is focused on the issues that the board should right, be man- yeah. focused on. Hmm. But it's it, for any GP-owned business in this sector, my, my best advice to everyone who's a GP who's trying to run a business, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, seriously, go and find someone yeah. who can run a business mm. and be comfortable that the person you're putting in has the skills mm. and the want to drive your business forward. Yeah. You've got to find the person, but mm. you've got to have the right people because I know I'm probably getting a little over, but I'm going to tell you a quick story. We were talking to this potential client interstate and we were on a team's call doing a demonstration of, of clinometrics. They wanted to understand. So mid-sized practice, about 16 GPs, mm. predominantly part-time GPs, but the owner was a, a GP and we're 40 minutes into this one-hour session. She gets a phone call and answers the, sorry, excuse me, got to answer the phone. Okay, fine. Answers the phone call. I've got to go. Oh, what's up? Well, I'm running the practice. I don't have a practice manager and my head nurse has just resigned and I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm. I've got to go. I've got to run. I can't deal with this. We eventually got her back to have a second conversation with her and she was still running the business and that nurse had left and they were desperately searching for a nurse. So she was trying to recruit a nurse as well as be a doctor, as well as manage the business with 16 doctors. Mm. And we said to her, we weren't offering managed services to her at the time, which is offering include metrics. Mm. And we said, maybe you want to find a, a solution because you can't be everything. Yeah. You can't. And there's so much of that I see. I was going to say, that, that sounds like a very familiar story. I've, I've heard that a number of times. The practice manager who's also the nurse on the day, who's also the receptionist at the same time. And yeah, it's having that backup in the event, because especially nowadays as well, uh, people will be off sick, need to stay home because they might've been exposed to COVID. Um, everyone's feeling that pressure. It's easy to talk about, hard to, to implement and execute, but having those, knowing what tools and resources and services are available to lean into as required is probably good good due diligence to go through thinking then about you know what what's going to keep be keeping you busy and continuing to contribute to to more gray hairs and wisdom for you Ian. what's on your radar and and to-do list for 2022 and beyond you know coming out of the back of COVID, as we all have now we get to kind of walk out our products we get to put them to market mm. in properly with a sales and marketing strategy yeah and because i'm the inventor i'm also the one that's the face and you know the sure. communicator for it so there's a bit of that going on so i'll be at business for doctors and also apm conferences cool. coming up so i've been doing those we've got more sites under development so we've got a couple of sites that we are looking at building up the coast mm-hmm. 
So there's one up at Glendale at the moment, so the property manager's looking after that, but there's a lot of work goes into there's a piece of green grass <laughs> and we need to turn this into a medical centre yeah. in uh, in 18 months. <laughs> so that's a, an interesting challenge every time. You know, recruit's always a big problem, although I don't do recruit anymore. We've got HR for that. The engagement problem is there for everybody. Mm. You know, doctors, nurses are just scarce as, yeah. and we've all got to find better ways to offer a service to them. I think we're lucky and we've got a very good service like most of our physical structures behind the scenes are fantastic and our resourcing patient services staff and nursing phenomenally you know scaled for mm. each of our practices but it, it doesn't solve the lack of gps to to be the front line of that kind of service and with growing practices that's another big challenge i think the one that's scaring everybody certainly scaring us is the payroll tax oh yep We've got a, a structure we believe is appropriate. You know, we've been through the lawyers and the accountants and a hundred other people in the industry asking questions and seeing what we can do. We believe we have a solution that's going to work, but for all of us who have been doing this for years, yeah. you've got five years of panic to deal with. Oh, certainly for any practice who isn't aware of the payroll tax or a GP who isn't aware of the payroll tax issues in New South Wales and Victoria at the very least, please pay attention to it. Mm. You know, massive, massive concern for everybody. Um, this is about being contractors and... Yeah, contractors versus employers. Yeah. yeah. We use the same model everyone else does. Sure. Right. Yeah. And similar banking systems, similar accounting systems, similar practice management software. There's a pretty typical way that GPs are engaged. Yeah, in you know, and well, not... I mean, GPs, dentists, yeah, you know, yeah, physios, right. like the list goes Healthcare on. providers, right? yeah, yeah. You know, you could basically put a torch to the entire, you know, healthcare industry if the state governments go ahead with this en masse. We have great contracts. We don't have, you know, you will behave like this kind of contracts. We just have, you know, tell me how many days you want to work contracts pretty much. Mm. We're not overly threatened by that part of it and certainly the people have done up. But if anyone's got anything that looks, you know, even half concerning, the corporates in particular, I'd be really worried. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a big concern for everybody. Yep. Generally, the thing that I guess you've raised a earlier is how do you facilitate the ongoing loss of people through COVID sure. and lockdown and just the continual collapse of your resources, be it doctors or nurses or even front desk? Yeah, we've got 140 people, but generally they're all actually on a roster somewhere mm. doing something. Mm. So if you suddenly get a group of nurses down, then what? And that's a constant burden for everybody to be concerned about. Mm. And I don't have any good answers. I wish I did. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone has any good answers to that one. It's, I would say that I think the GP industry is far more complicated than it was three years ago. Three years ago, yeah, right. All right. So pre-COVID, mm. it's so much more complicated now mm. as an industry than it was in 2019. You know, COVID has fundamentally changed the way that we all behave fundamentally changed the way that we have to manage staff fundamentally changed the way that we consult, particularly with telehealth. Yeah. All right. It's, also changed the way that patients, customers, and, and I think that's a big distinction I like to make, mm, mm. they're customers. Yeah. A lot of my doctors hate that word, customers. But my view is that they're a customer until they sit down and say, doctor, this is my problem, right? Because ultimately they're making decisions about where they want to be treated mm. and serviced. It's a customer service industry. But customers have become accustomed to certain types of services being offered at certain price points and facilitating that Telehealth is an argument with healthcare professionals and the government and the patients. I want a script. I'm just going to ring up and get a bulk bill and yeah, fine, thanks, move on. Mm -hmm. But the doctor may view that patient and go, well, actually, no, I, I'm not willing to give you that script because I need to see you because. Yeah. But the patient's view or the customer's view is that's unnecessary. Just give me the script. Before, before, Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is now a much more complicated relationship issue mm. between the practitioner and the patient. 
than it ever was. Yeah. So, you know, the, all of these complexities get thrown up into the industry. And then lastly, of course, you know, Medicare or the government puts up a 1.6% <laughs> increase yeah. to the Medicare rebates. And, you know, we're, we're a private billing business for two out of our three, the other mm. one's mixed. And you saw the numbers yesterday, 6.1% yeah. inflation rate, but the government's view is 1.6% is enough to cover it. Yeah. Well, hang on, between 12 and 16, there was no increase in Medicare rebates. Mm. So we're already behind the eight ball mm. for those four years of compounding you know, CPI increases. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing massive inflationary costs. Mm -hmm. We just had to put a massive wage rise through for a number of our staff yeah. to keep them on board and happy. It's got to come from somewhere. It's got to come from somewhere, yeah. right? And it's certainly not coming from the government. Mm. And, and as a, the complexity of that in terms of managing the patient expectation, managing the doctor's expectation, Hmm. And managing the business's expectation is insanely difficult. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I say the doctors don't manage businesses. Give it to people who know how to manage businesses. Yeah. But I think the, the financials of the industry are at a tipping point personally. Yeah. And for us, we have one luxury as a business, and I'm going to roll back to the sales pitch. We have one luxury is that we have clinometrics. Mm. So I can drill down to this minuscule piece of data. What happened Wednesday at four o'clock? Yes. How many patients were in the practice? What did we bill for that 15-minute period? Mm. I can do that. It's a stupid analysis, but I could do that if I need to. Sure. Right? But what it means is I can then actually create models of financial analysis that allows me to say, well, I need to shift this, or I need to shift that, or I need to move this roster, or I, because I've got demand management capabilities, I've got practitioner billing flex. You know, you've only got two triggers to pull in this industry. One is wages, the other one's billings. Sure. So you either bill faster or you bill better. Yep. But you to understand what to do, you've got to know the data. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, we have that luxury of being able to play around with the data the right way and say, well, okay, the decision we're going to make is I'm going to lose half a roster on this day, but I need these doctors to be a different set because this doctor bills better or I'm going to do more in the corporate space because it pays better or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I think that's a nice way to cap it all off too, with the increasing pressures, changing environment from a practice owner's perspective, need to sharpen the tools, need better tools to be able to really make those decisions that can help you either increase billings where you can or try and improve efficiencies and do that in an effective way to keep all those plates spinning and everyone happy. It's a tough gig to play but with the right tools hopefully get to you a little bit closer so i'll put the details for clinimetrics cmx hpm and also cmx connect in the show notes of this episode you've got a good presence on the talking health tech website with the directory listing as tht plus members as well so all of that will be there for people to check out ian we could chat for another couple of hours but we'll have to kind of wrap it on the podcast here thanks for bringing me into the office to have the chat and look forward to connecting with you soon thanks so much beautiful thanks for your time appreciate it Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.